0: Sean Clifford got drafted. Holy smokes. Hello and welcome to this edition of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This is the post-NFL draft edition. And look, folks, I'm just stunned as anybody. I'm happy for Sean Clifford. That's Terrific for him. I never thought it would happen. I absolutely never thought it would happen in the fifth round. We'll get to the who, what, when, where, why on that. And we'll let you know where all six of Penn State's drafted players wound up. Congratulations to all of those guys. We're also going to talk a good bit of the mayonnaise in the coffee guy. The eating the banana with the peel on guy. The cocky guy, apparently. The guy with the hurt toe, Will Levis, who became one of the biggest stories of the draft. Holy cow, we got a lot to get to with all of this. Um, I'm actually going to start here with Levis and Clifford and James Franklin. By this point, you know that Clifford was drafted by the Packers in the fifth round. You know that Levis slipped out of the first round altogether after being a projected top five pick. Okay, so there's been this kind of uh, discussion, this notion over the past year and a half or so. What the heck happened at Penn State with Will Levis? How did James Franklin and the offensive coaches let a top five talent just leave while picking Sean Clifford to continue to play? Well... After the events that played out in this year's NFL draft, very fascinating that the biggest winner here <laughs> might just be James Franklin. Because now look, should James have continued have have continued to start Clifford over Levis and Levis transfer. I mean, hey, we we can't we gotta remember. Clifford led Penn State to an 11-2 record and a Cotton Bowl uh, victory in 2019. He was going to be the starter in 2020. And then 2020 was a disastrous calamity of a year with COVID. Journey Brown's injury, Noah Kane, the 0-5 star, blah, blah, blah. And so... Then Will Levis leaves and goes and starts two years at Kentucky. We've gone over and gone over all of that stuff with the benefit of hindsight. What happened to Will Levis? What happened to Sean Clifford? Hey, how can Will Levis be a top five pick when he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford? How in the world could James Franklin have let this happen? How could you let that guy leave so that you could play Sean Clifford? Well, hey, getting drafted in the fifth round really you, you know it it justifies in a lot of ways everything that's happened at Penn State for the past couple of years and it obviously helps Franklin's per, from Franklin's perspective that Levis slipped out of the first round. So because if Levis goes in fourth, say, and and Sean Clifford's not drafted, there would always be that gigantic question of what the hell happened, what was James Franklin thinking, and that's if Levis goes on to become an NFL standout, which I have high, I'm highly doubtful that he will. But that question would have always been out there. However, Penn State went eleven and two in 2022, won the Rose Bowl, and Sean Clifford rewrote his legacy basically at the end of the 2022 season. And so congratulations to him after everything he's been through. Meanwhile, Will Levis struggled in 2022, did not have a good year, which is why me and many, many other people who actually watched him play football, were it was mind-boggling to us how people could consider him a top five pick. He might be a first-round talent in terms of skill set, but in terms of being able to actually play the quarterback position, he's really not even close. I still to this day think he's probably more Likely a, a like a third rounder, but the point is the justification here that James Franklin can sit back and smile is that okay, fine, yeah, Will Levis win the second round, but at least it's not the top five, okay? And Sean Clifford was drafted in the fifth round after he won you a Rose Bowl. You think Will Levis was going to do any better than eleven and two in a Rose Bowl? Come on, I don't. I don't think Will Levis is beating Michigan. I don't think Will Levis is beating Ohio State. And they would have gone 11-2, and the best they could have done was to win the Rose Bowl. So the biggest winner here over the weekend, well, yeah, it's it's obviously Sean Clifford. But when we take a look with the benefit of hindsight of of all of it and how everything played out and the way this will all look from James Franklin's perspective as we evaluate James Franklin over over the long long game, you know, a 15-, 20-year period, Uh, Hey, uh, it it looks a heck of a lot better for Franklin. If Will Levis goes on to become an NFL star and Clifford never does anything, well, sure, we may always still wonder, but uh, at least Levis isn't sitting there as a top five pick. Why did Will Levis slip? Well, word coming out that he's got the toe injury that one team was concerned about. Another team thought maybe he might need a surgery at some point. That's obviously a huge deal when you're a mobile quarterback, And then, and this part doesn't surprise me at all. The cockiness factor, you know, of all the things that you can criticize players for, they might get in trouble here, there, they might, you know, do some goofy things in college or whatever. If you're just a cocky guy, if you're just a real cocky, flamboyant guy, that can be accepted probably at a lot of positions in sports and certainly a lot of positions in in the NFL but as the franchise quarterback as the face of the quarter uh, of the franchise how many really cocky quarterbacks do you know of in the NFL that are very good we'll do the jeopardy theme na 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 nah. think of cocky successful quarterbacks in the NFL na 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 nah, nah. you got any Patrick Patrick Mahomes is not cocky. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was kind of a drama queen, but you know I don't know that he was overly flamboyant and cocky. At least as he matured in his career, uh, Drew Brees not. Aaron Rodgers does and says wacky things, but that's been later on in his career. Okay, uh, you just take a look around the league. The, the you know, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's cocky. Joe Burrow's cocky, absolutely. Um, but Joe Burrow also won the Heisman and had the best season in the history of college football uh, as a quarterback at LSU, and so the talent was clearly there. If you're if you're really a second or third round quarterback, a projected guy, and a raw guy that's going to take you, a few, and you're this cocky guy that you're going to come in and be in, and you know be doing all this weird wild stuff, you know I don't know that uh, that franchise is truly. You know, are, are looking for that kind of thing in a young franchise quarterback who still needs to prove himself. Was that the uh, determining factor? I don't know. The toe very well might have been the fact that he just wasn't. Will Evis wasn't very good on film has to be a big factor here. But for Sean Clifford, again, when you think about the second half of his senior season his final season, his 36th season in college football. When you think about the second half and how well he played and winning the Rose bowl, going out on top like that, I I wrote this, you know, a month and a half ago or uh, on uh, pro day, Uh, Sean Clifford does a lot of really good things as a quarterback that there's a lot to like. And, and, and I wrote in the headline until he throws the ball. And uh, you know, I, I was at pro day. He did. I don't think he had a very good pro day at all. I mean, he, he was, He was inconsistent and misfiring all over the place, but he ran a good 40 time. I think it was like four, five, seven. uh, If I can pull that up here, four, five, seven pro day. Um, That's as fast as Trace McSorley ran. He's a great leader, great teammate, very, very smart. Now, a lot of the jokes roaming around Saturday night were, hey, Sean Clifford's going to look really good wearing a a baseball cap and, and holding a clipboard because I do think that that's what they drafted him for. Uh, in a Fifth round, to take him in the fifth round, that the like the Packers did, doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. They picked him 149. They had the 159th pick. They had the 179th pick. They had three picks in the seventh round. Were people really knocking down the door to draft Sean Clifford at 150 or 152 or 157? Why the Packers chose to pick him at 149 instead of, rolling the dice and getting him at, you probably could have gotten him at 220. Uh, I mean, you would think anyway, but they found this guy. I, I, I think what's going to happen here is they've got Jordan love. Sean Clifford is actually older than Jordan love by close to four months. So Sean Clifford can go in, help the guy be a good teammate, be a a, a wise KG veteran as an NFL rookie and, and help it, you know, help Jordan love probably in a lot of ways, without necessarily Jordan Love having to look over his shoulder like he's competing with Sean Clifford. Okay, If you take a quarterback in the second or third round, yay, you're competing with that guy. Fifth round, Sean Clifford's going to be there to help Jordan Love develop. And Sean Clifford can develop himself. And if he does, and good luck to him, Maybe he can get in some games and have a, have a a career as a, as a a playing quarterback in the NFL. At this stage, I think they drafted him so that he can be a real helpful benefit to Jordan Love. But the bottom line is Sean Clifford got drafted. Who would have thunk it? All right, welcome back. Let me tell you my favorite NFL draft story from Penn State, and that is Juice Scruggs, offensive lineman, second round. How about that? Juice Scruggs not only getting drafted, out, but going in the second round, 62nd overall. Uh, that's terrific for him. Juice Scruggs was one of those linemen at Penn State that never really got a whole lot of recognition or attention part of really uh, a revitalized offensive line at Penn state in 2022, as the line really started playing well and Juice scrubs was a big reason for that. But here's why it's one of my favorite stories from Penn state for the draft. I I remember being on a zoom call. The date of this is October 14th, 2020. So two and a half years ago. Uh, And uh, Juice Scruggs was telling us all about the car accident that he had been in in 2019. It was March of 2019, uh, and he, he was in a car accident just before the start of spring drills. He was ejected from the vehicle, said he fractured his L3 vertebrae. And here's what Juice Scruggs told us that day, quote, It just had to heal on its own. I didn't need no surgery or anything. It just took time, and it had to heal. But he also said, I always had it in my head. I'm going to be back on the field. That was always my mindset. It never crossed my mind that football was over for me, but it was a very scary time for him, clearly. And you're talking about a guy, a big man, a big man with a back injury. That can be devastatingly painful and ruin a career. Uh, really, any anybody that's had back problems. I'm 49. I got a lower back problem. I've had it for about a year I had to go see a physical therapist. He gave me all these stretches and I still have it and I can't get rid of. So if there's anybody out there that's got a back problem, goodness gracious, that, that can be a a major issue. But juice Scruggs is a guy that came to Penn state. uh, You know, he was highly thought of at the time when he got there, but the back injury set him back. And I'll tell you for him to have the kind of career he did, not only on the field, but as a leader, a terrific leader for that for that program. And by the way, uh, Scruggs was a four-star prospect coming out of high school, the number eight prospect in Pennsylvania uh, uh, back six years ago. So it's not like he was a, a nothing prospect. People knew he would be good, but I, I give the guy a lot of credit for overcoming all of that. All right, so going through the rest of the draft picks, Brent Strange went 61st overall to the Jaguars much earlier than most people thought that he would go. Uh, Brenton Strange, very good tight end. He actually blocks. Unlike Pat Fryermuth, Jesse James, Mike Gesicki, those were wide receiving tight ends. Uh, Brenton Strange could catch the ball, but he was a blocking tight end as well. So he goes 61st. Jire Brown goes in the third round, 87th overall to the Niners. Uh, that was a little bit later than than people. some people thought. Uh, many, especially in the Penn State media, loved Tig Brown and thought he should have, should have gone higher. I'm going to get into Parker Washington in the fourth, in the third segment here. He fell all the way to the sixth round, 185th to the Jaguars. I'll talk about him here in a few minutes, but the one guy I am missing out here so far is Joey Porter Jr. Now, here's where sliding out of the first round, probably a very good thing for Joey. Uh, Steelers picked 17th. Everybody wondered if the Steelers would take him. I doubted that Joey would even be there at 17th, but he was. And, uh, Steelers did not, Steelers dra- traded up to 14 to get Broderick Jones, uh, which, which is a great, great move. And then there they are at 32. And lo and behold, Joey Porter Jr., I believe a very, very good cornerback and will be a very good cornerback in the NFL falls right to them. Wow. What a great story. What a great fit. This is, they didn't just draft him because Joey Sr. played on a Super Bowl winning Steelers team and was an assistant coach there. Joey Jr. is a good football player. He, he was a legitimate first round talent. And I'm sure he's extremely disappointed to have fallen out of the first round. By the way, if you think about where he could have been picked, you know, 15, 16, 17 versus end up going around 32nd or going at 32nd, that's give or take a a, a roughly $3 million difference. Uh, in whatever contract, maybe even a little bit more in whatever contract he's going to get initially. So he lost some money, but hey, he's a Pittsburgh guy. Uh, dad played for the Steelers. He gets to play for the Steelers. You really can't write it any better than that. He knows James Franklin, knows Frank, or I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm on Penn State mode. He knows Mike Tomlin. He knows Mike Tomlin's family, played with his son, Dino. So there is so much history and connection there. With Joey and the Steelers, I, I just think that's fantastic. That's a win-win for Joey. That's a win for the Steelers. Sure, I'm no doubt he would have liked to have gone early, made made more money. Said he's a first-round pick. There's a lot that comes with all that, but the opportunity he's going to get with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the fit that he will be with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the 32nd pick. That's uh, that is a a terrific landing spot for Joey Porter Jr. So six players from Penn State drafted. Really, really good draft for the program. Excellent for Sean Clifford. Excellent for guys like Brenton Strange, Juice Scruggs getting picked higher than anybody thought. Uh, just really cool stories in a lot of ways. And like I mentioned in the first segment, James Franklin gets to save some face from this draft with Levis slipping out of the first round, Clifford getting, uh, going in the fifth round. And, uh, just, just really cool. Now we'll see how it all plays out. Back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I want to talk about Parker Washington a little bit. He ends up slipping all the way to the sixth round. It is easy for us in the media, for you as fans to say, Wow, why didn't this guy come back for another year of college? It it is easy. As I wrote in my draft preview the other day, some guys just don't want to be in college anymore. Uh, Parker Washington had a really good year in 2021, like 60-something catches. Probably felt all along that if he came back in 2022 and had a good year that he would turn pro. He probably, you know, if he were being fully honest with everybody, he probably felt all along he was going to turn pro after 2022, no matter what. Okay? Maybe just didn't want to be in college anymore. But then I thought Parker Washington had a pretty pedestrian year. You know, 46 catches, missed the last two regular season games, missed the Rose Bowl. He did have a huge game against Ohio State. 11 catches, buck seventy and a touchdown. Absolutely showed what he can do as a good slot receiver in that game. But really, I always thought Parker Washington's ceiling was... A little limited anyway. He's not blazing fast. He he he's he's smaller and he he's a good slot receiver, but I, I don't know that he's a, a gigantic difference maker in the NFL. And so I really wondered why would he go in the draft anyway if he's gonna go in the third or fourth round? Come back to college, be Drew Aller's number one target next year, get NIL money, and if you end up having a better year, maybe, maybe you could work your way into the second round or maybe even stay in the third round. But when he got hurt with the ankle injury and and really has not been able to, as far as we know, has not been able to work out at all for months in front of these scouts, he he took a big, big gamble. A big gamble that uh, some NFL team would like his college film enough that they would pick him despite not being able to work out. And then Parker slips to the sixth round. I will sit here and say, from my football experience covering college football for nearly two decades, being a sports writer for thirty years, I think Parker Washington made a mistake. I, I think he made a mistake. I'm not living. I'm not living his life. He got drafted. Jaguars 180 85th overall. I think he was hundredth best prospect on Kuyper's big board. So he slipped significantly, uh, and he'll have a chance to go in with the Jaguars. Play well. He's going to play with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, That's a good situation. Uh, By the way, Brenton Strange went to the Jaguars well. He'll get to catch passes from Trevor Lawrence. So that's great for those guys, a young franchise star quarterback. But Parker, you know, now he's playing for the second contract. He's going to have to do well enough during this first contract to get a, a nice second contract. And I just think if he would have come back to Penn State for one more year, He probably, I mean, they don't have, I don't, they don't have a number one wide receiver for next year. Parker could have caught 70, 75 passes next year. Then go to, and be healthy. Go to the combine. Show them what you can do. You know, so, uh, we, we can't live other people's lives for them. We can't make their decisions for them. It looks on the outside like Parker Washington made a mistake. Hopefully the kid goes to the Jaguars and, and plays well. And uh, is able to get a good lucrative second contract and be in the league for a long time. But uh, y- you do have to wonder if, if there's a lot of regret going on in Parker Washington's mind. I kind of thought this would be the case. I didn't see him going anywhere before the fifth round. And then to slip into the sixth round, That's that's a tough drop for the young man. All right. So NFL draft is over. We're already looking ahead to next year's NFL draft and the possibility of Three, that's right, three potential first-round draft picks for Penn State next year if these guys all have good seasons, stay healthy and everything. Olufashinu, um, really right now by most people, rated the number one offensive tackle. And so he could be a top five, top ten pick. Then you've got Kalen King, could become the first defensive back ever in Penn State history to be the the uh, first round draft pick. We thought that'd be Joey Porter Jr. It was not. Kalen King, if he comes back and has a big year, certainly will have a chance to be in the first round. And then Chop Robinson, uh, defensive lineman. uh, If he has a big year, he's received all kinds of accolades. And uh, from all these metrics and pro football focus about, top returning edge rushers for next year. So that's that's three guys. So Penn State was six guys drafted this year, four in the second round. The program is in very good shape. These are the kinds of things, when you wonder why Penn State's recruiting so well, hey, you go to Penn State, they're going to get you to the league. These high school kids, they want to get to the league. they And they know if they come to Penn State, the The strength and conditioning program, everything within the program, is going to fine tune their bodies. Even a guy like Sean Clifford running a four five seven as a quarterback, that had to help, you know. So uh, the 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 Penn State program right now, able to attract fantastic talent coming in from high school, able to send out fantastic talent into the NFL. That's how you become and remain and sustain an outstanding program. I'm not saying they're an elite program. They've still got a little ways to go to get there. It's back to being potentially a great program now. They got to continue this for a couple more years. We'll see, obviously, what happens with Drew Aller the next couple years. But if you just take a look at what I just said, the influx of talent coming in from high school, they're getting a lot of top-end guys. Then they develop them very well during their tenure at Happy Valley. Then they send them out and they have a lot of draft picks and, and sometimes in cases, some cases, high draft picks going out. That is quite a testament to the state of the Penn State program and uh, what James Franklin and his staff are doing right now. Folks, that'll wrap things up for this week's post draft edition. Shoot me a message here on the site, text, me- text message, email. Whatever you got, and uh, I'll look forward to responding to any of your questions. Thanks for tuning in, as always. We'll catch up with you next week.